You're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Kokoroi Hawkins, Ehingo Coming up. Niwe, after two years of having no tourists here, even got better. So it's basically when you walk into Niwe, it's like walking into a brand new place. Niwe businesses welcome the government's early border reopening plans. I would love to see more women just putting their hands up and standing for general reactions. We talk to the Pacific community's new strategic lead for women in the region and... Samoa's Fafafine community turning heads at the Venice Biennale. The government of Niue has announced a date for a two-way quarantine-free travel bubble with New Zealand. From Monday, the 27th of June, fully vaccinated passengers will be allowed to enter without isolation. A tentative reopening date was originally set for July, but Premier Dalton Tangalangi says Niue is ready with the opening of an isolation unit at Niue Fo Hospital and the completion of the vaccination program for 5 to 11-year-olds. RNZ Pacific reporter Lydia Lewis spoke with long-time Niue resident and businessman Avi Rubin about the move. Uh, well, uh, we just got an uh, announcement today that I believe that from uh, June 27th, it's going to be quarantine-free travel. And what does that mean for you as a business owner? What are the prospects? Uh, well, we have quite a few businesses here. We have a uh, large getaway, which is sort of like a five-star accommodation on the island. And then we have a Kaika Sushi Bar, which is quite a nice restaurant. And, uh, yeah, for us it means that uh, tourists can slowly come back and, uh, and visit our place again. What has uh, COVID-19 done for you as a business owner? How has it, has it crippled your businesses? Yeah, our sales on the accommodation obviously was 100% down with absolutely no visitors. And in the restaurant, our sales went down by 70%. So for the last two years, we were basically, I mean, we were very thankful the government for a while was giving us wage subsidies. And uh, they gave us uh, all the accommodation, a bit of money to uh, a few months ago, just so we can uh, renew some of the things. You know, being close to the sea, it's a very bad environment for anything electrical or anything that have to do with metal. So you have to replace a lot of things. And uh, so, I mean, this is like the, it's a bad time because <laughs> we were just uh, starting basically to dig into the savings and the, uh, you know, looking uh, on new ways how to uh, to make a living. How much did you have to dig into your savings? And do you know of any other business owners that have had to close their businesses completely or dip into, you know, mortgages? You know, what, what, what? How dire has it been? Well, we were quite uh, the local development bank here was very, very nice to us, and they they put our repayments on hold if we if we wanted to, and they just held it. Uh, for a couple of years, and uh, we start, we we have to start paying back on loans like everybody else uh, starting uh, next month. Yeah, that was a big break that we didn't have to pay uh, the mortgages on the loans for the accommodation. That uh, you know. What was your reaction when you heard the news today? Look, in the beginning, all of us were very afraid because it, it, it's a very tight community. Everybody knows everybody. Uh, some of the people here are not uh, the healthiest. And uh, we have high cases of diabetes here and lots of underlying issues. But uh, looking at the Cook Islands and looking how they uh, did it and the uh, very similar sort of population, and uh, we are 
confident now that the vaccination rate is very, very high. We have like 99%. All our kids are vaccinated as well. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's about time. We need to to, <laughs> to open the businesses. Otherwise, uh, we won't be able to survive you. And is everyone going to start preparing now? Are there, um, you know, buildings that need painted and restoration projects that need completing? Or has that all been done, uh, you know, in the Yes, yes, yes. So we are, like us, I can speak for myself, we had to renew quite a few things. We had to buy uh, new TVs and uh, new stoves and uh, all kind of stuff that uh, needs to be, uh, you know, we haven't been used for the last couple of years. And it got rusty and... Uh, oil everything up, uh, service the air conditioners. <laughs> so I believe everybody's doing the same. Everybody's sort of preparing um, for the tourists to come. I, I, I can understand that it won't happen all of, you know, all together at one point, but uh, probably, you know, give it a few months after June and sort, things of sort will come back to normal. And we have our season here is normally till October. And once October comes, it's a bit, it's the off season, and then uh, hopefully by next year we'll be all, this season, we're lucky if we're gonna, we'll get like a third of a season, but the next one should be a full season if, if there's no other COVID or anything else that uh, will come along. And finally, your message to New Zealanders, um, who who are the only uh, tourists that will be able to come because of these new restrictions, what is your message to uh, would-be New Zealand travellers? Anyway, after two years of having no tourists here, even got better, they the seatbacks are clean, the water is beautiful, there's plenty of fish to go around if somebody goes fishing. Uh, there's a few new restaurants that came along. Uh, the hotels are, you know, all being refurbished. So it's basically, when you walk into New, it's like walking into a brand new place. <laughs> The principal strategic lead at the Pacific Community, or SPC, for women, says she wants to see more women in the region take up political careers. Meresenia Rakuita, who served as Minister of Lands in Fiji in 2014, says her dream is to see women make up 30% of the candidate list for all political parties in the region. In her new role, Ms. Rakuita is championing the SPC's work on gender equality and empowerment of women and girls to bring about transformational change and improve their status in society. She spoke with RNZ Pacific correspondent Lidia Movono, who began by asking her about her early political career. Uh, you know, I was appointed as minister back in 2014, as Minister Lenz. And that for me is an important uh, appointment in relation to gender equality and empowerment of women. For the fact that um, being the first woman to serve in that role, it really hones in on the importance of uh, leadership, recognizing and promoting women in positions of leadership. You know, as a region, most of our leaders are men, over 90%, if I'm right. Uh, We probably just have one female prime minister in the Pacific. And so male leadership really needs to step up and promote women in positions of leadership. And further down the road, as Minister for Women, Children and Poverty Alleviation, uh, gave me first-hand insight into the potential we hold as an economy in the contribution of women to national development. And that really uh, laid the platform to what I am um, um, I'm doing here at SPC, the dream I have for what SPC can leverage on in relation to gender equality for the region. 
my previous appointment as minister has really um, enabled me to bring positive change to the Fijian population in the sectors that I served in. And that um, expertise and experience is uh, something that I bring into the organization in my new role. My, my next question is about women's political participation. Uh, and, and I'm particularly interested given that this year there are several Pacific Island countries, and when I see Pacific Island, I also mean Australia, uh, that are uh, heading to the polls. And so I'm interested in uh, what the, the SPC as a whole, or maybe Pacific Women Lead, although I, I am aware that this might be preempting things a little bit. Tell us about some of the work that's being done right now to increase women's political participation, and I'm particularly interested in progress on temporary special measures in some of the countries that don't yet have them. Mm. Um, luckily there, you know that uh, Pacific as a region has the lowest um, women's, represent women's representation in parliaments when compared to regions across the world. So you know we have our work cut out for us. And um, as a former politician, I am aware of some barriers that exist in relation to the participation of women. And these are diverse and varied, depending on the um, maybe the uh, rate of national development, the communities that we live in, our traditions and cultures, all these contribute to it. And a lot of times when we talk about women's participation in politics, we think of the direct barriers, like maybe uh, the laws in place, or the ability to finance a campaign or strategize on campaigning, depending on the um, electoral environment we have. Uh, but equally important, I think, but is a lot of times it's um, undervalued. The role of women in the unpaid care economy, for example, gender-based violence, um, the women's, women's economic empowerment, all these contribute to how a woman may or may not be able to join politics. And the solutions are varied from country to country. As um, an SPC employee and strategic lead for Pacific Women Lead, um, in my role, it's important for me, I may have my own personal opinions about temporary special measures, but in my role, it is my duty to listen to the countries that I will be serving and take our cue from there. A lot of work is also being done by non-government organizations in this area. I think just in the previous week, um, uh, three uh, feminist organizations got together and did workshops for women who were aspiring to join politics to stand for 2022 elections here in Fiji. A lot of that work is happening, but as Pacific Women Lead, um, our role in this would be to listen to the countries that we serve. We get our mandate from the countries. Any work that we do really comes out of the countries. Uh, do you think as a strategic lead uh, that the Pacific is a safe place for women interested in politics? If we were to judge participation on what we perceive uh, to be safe, then our work would be harder if we were to drive towards gender equality. Women, um, there's a lot of strength in women. And a lot of times we underestimate ourselves when it comes to joining politics. It's not an easy decision to make. I'm not saying it's an easy decision. 
And whether an environment is safe or not at the end of the day will really uh, depend on the individual and assessment and a decision that has to be made on an individual level. But as a strategic lead for Pacific Women Lead, I would love to see more women just putting their hands up and standing for general elections. Um, my dream would be to see a candidate list of at least 30% women in every political party, no matter what country there is, but that's my dream. But like I said, there are many obstacles, um, so many challenges, and safety is one of them, like you highlighted. And at the end of the day, it becomes an individual choice. What is your advice to Pacific Island women uh, interested in coming into politics, uh, you know, interested in maybe making that 30% that you mentioned, uh, but whose barriers are cultural and societal? Know why you're going to politics. Why are you making a decision to go into politics? And weigh that against all the other obstacles you may see. That on a personal level, that's what I did back in 2014. Uh, politics was never my dream. And I had an opportunity. I was asked to join because leadership wanted to hear more women's voices in parliament. How could I say no to that? So know the reasons why you're joining. Think about all the other obstacles that will come in your way just because you're a woman. Make a decision. But I would encourage us, there are uh, lots of organizations out there that do um, awareness programs, empowering programs for aspiring women politicians. Take them up on their offer, join a session and get to hear about the intricate details of being a woman in, uh, in politics. But if we don't put our hand up, 10 years timely there, we'll be still seeing the same um, uh, picture as a region uh, where, where women in leadership are basically uh, unseen and those who do take up um, a stand and join politics uh, get to face challenges and barriers that might discourage other women from joining. But my advice would be to think of all the challenges, know why you want to join politics and go for it. Alluring images and real-life stories of Samoa's Fafafine community have been described as powerful at the 59th installment of one of the most prestigious art and cultural exhibitions in the world, the Venice Biennale. Paradise Camp, created by Samoan Japanese artist Yuki Kihara, explores the idea of a Fafafine utopia seen through a series of photographs that upcycle specially selected paintings by Paul Gugan. RNZ Pacific reporter Susanna Susuiki has the story. Yukikihara is the first Pacifica and Fa'afafine artist to represent Aotearoa New Zealand at Venice Biennale. Her newest ensemble, Exhibition Paradise Camp, presents Indigenous worldviews that address social, historical, and environmental subjects. However, underneath the facade of Paradise Depicted lie personal experiences of Samoa's Fa'afafine community. Translated as in the manner of a woman, Fa'afafine is a term used in Samoan settings to describe a person who at birth is assigned as male, but identifies as female. Kihara says the response to Paradise Camp in Venice has been humbling. Everybody wants to know where the Pacific is. 
it's so funny because, you know, I had people, you know, from all walks of life, but I think in particular, you know, the transgender community and the gender non-binary community, you know, come to me and almost hold my hand and cry. And, and they said to me, you know, Yuki, I've never heard of Samoa before, but for the fact that you've actually brought the Fafafini community here in your exhibition makes me feel very validated. Shots on several locations around Samoa, the models featured in each of the photographs are entirely from the country's queer community. For Alex Sua, the president of the Samoa Fafafine Association, being involved in the production of Paradise Camp made a reflect on the drastic changes Christian missionaries imposed on Pacific cultures, particularly the values they instilled in women, such as seeing modesty as a virtue. Sua says she hopes the art exhibition is a source of empowerment for all Pacifica women, no matter their orientation. That's the empowering factor for me, is the fact that the only the Fafafine can pull off something like reliving the natural, beautiful Pacifica women that we had before the earliest time missionaries or a European contact came in touch with our Pacific people. Paradise Camp is shaking up art history, particularly the controversial legacy of Paul Gugan, who produced a lot of his well-known paintings while living in the Pacific. Curator Natalie King says since its opening, Paradise Camp has drawn in thousands of people, most of whom knew nothing about Samoa. We are all affected by climate change. Many communities are affected by discrimination. But I think it's the way Yuki tells her stories that have resonated and have had, I guess, universal appeal. So her stories, you know, really uncover and kind of reverse the Western art history tradition. Karen Rangi, the chair of the Arts Council at Creative NZ, says Pacific parents often overlook the arts and culture industry, so having a Pacifica presence at Venice Biennale would hopefully shift that perception. If you really think about it, arts and culture plays is a huge factor in the well-being of individuals, of families, of communities, of representing the identity of people, uh, the identity of place. And so it actually makes a huge contribution to to the health and well-being of people generally. And I think that is something that people do value. There are so many ways in which audiences will interpret Paradise Camp. But Yuki Kihara says she hopes her work provides a safe space for people to explore their own identity. I think the crust of Paradise Camp is really about being honest to yourself and living an authentic life. And there are forces out there in the world that constantly try to conform you into a certain way of being. And I feel like, you know, Paradise Camp offers this safe space, you know, for you to just be yourself. Paradise Camp will be exhibited at Venice Biennale until November. It will tour New Zealand next year. You can view the exhibition online at www.nzatvenice.com. That brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. More demanda.